0: It's time for the Building, game, the, building game, the Game, with Jason, with
1: Jason and friends, for the the tabletop game, games the, game, the with and friends, with Jason and friends. it's at the end of the episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, January 30th, and you're listening to episode 557. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today joined by a good friend of mine, a designer, a publisher. A man of many, many talents, as it turns out, Mr. Tim Devine. Hey, Tim. Hello.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me back.
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming back. And uh, also, thanks for plug for the uh, Discord. Thanks for joining our weekly Discord chat that we have. It's been good to have you there hanging out with us.
0: Well, it's been fantastic. I've gotten to meet like a bunch of awesome people, but more importantly, like I'm actually learning a lot. <laughs> right, See, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I always feel that it. way too.
1: So many, so much varied experience in that group and varied backgrounds and everything. And I always feel like I'm learning new things um, in the group. I'm, you know, I'm making new connections. I, I've made some really good friends out of that. Uh, and plus it's just fun every week. Like I just enjoy that 30 minutes time to just, chill with friends and you know talk about what we're working on even if the last few weeks i feel like i've been one of those people that's like oh i'm behind on this i'm trying to catch up with this but you know i'm not and uh yeah i'm really looking for the end of january to be over because a couple of my deadlines have to be crossed by the end of january so it doesn't really matter like i will be done with these things by the end of january or they'll never get done <laughs> um and that's a problem so uh actually it's not because like carbon edison awards i'm trying to Uh, finish which is due tomorrow by the way if you're listening to this on the day it was published um, the uh, submissions for that are due January 31st Um, but anyways I am uh, I'm way behind on that because uh, because yeah because other things have come up some work that I've been doing for a potential publisher and some things and um, yeah so keep them busy and uh, it always makes you uh, be like oh my gosh I gotta I gotta get through this so yeah
0: yeah, it's been it's been nice because like often I don't know if if you're the same, but I know that like for, for Kristen and I and Dice Up Games, like often you even though you're you collaborate with people, you are interacting on social media. Often it's like you're on an island. You're like it's very isolated, especially yeah. in the yeah. past couple of years, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you you create these things and you feel like oh gosh, this is you know. But then you you see that other people are kind of going through it and how they get around it and how they kind of rally for each other. It's it's a really cool concept that you you all put together.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We're, uh, and we're always looking to grow that to more people because, uh, yeah, because it's worthwhile and, uh, yeah. And it's a lot of fun. So, uh, you've been up to anything lately doing anything? Nah.
0: No, just <laughs> hanging out.
1: <laughs> you've been, uh, you've been doing a crazy media blitz, uh, for, uh, your new game that, um, Hugh and Kristen designed that's out there and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, for sure. You, um, yeah, you put it. Uh, you did a big media blitz. You've spent so much time interviewing, uh, a lot of paid advertising, all those things that you did none of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you get your press badge? We we sent them to every single yes. person that we were going to be talking to, which includes you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. It was a. It was pretty custom for what yeah. I got. So you know. <laughs> No, so you um yeah you did not uh you did not do a lot of press for this, and you've said well explain your rationale behind that because I I don't think it's bad it, it works for y'all um but I, I love your rationale behind why you do it the way you do and so so give us a little little explanation on that yeah
0: sure so um you know this uh, Co- color my quest we've been we've been involved in in other kickstarters with some collaborations that we've done but color mm-hmm. my quest uh dungeon run adventures which is what we're talking about today um, is our third sort of dice up games uh, uh, run Kickstarter. The first one we did was for Adorablins and it was a, a, a little, it was, it was the mint tin RPG, very adorable art uh, by Amber Seeger. We partnered with uh, Letterman games uh, to co-publish it because it was uh, a little bit Uh, there's components and things like that so it was a little bit bigger of a campaign and and it we didn't know what to expect and so Mm -hmm. we were stressed we had all the you know different different stresses everybody has did we do enough did we talk to enough people scrambling every couple minutes to figure out what the right thing to do is and after that experience which wasn't a bad experience the game did really well the kickstarter Mm -hmm. was well received and we and it's actually going to be you know fulfilling pretty pretty soon here uh, and hopefully people are going to really enjoy the product. It's, it's actually like, I was blown away by the, by how it actually came out. So very happy, but right, all right. that to say the, the, what we did the next time, we wanted it to be different. We didn't mm-hmm. want stress, uh, partially because I had, uh, a, a really unexpected, although when are they expected, uh, emergency room trip, uh, and had sort of a heart thing happen. And so mm-hmm. when that happened, uh, you know, I was told, "Hey, don't you know, try to avoid stress." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> hey, there's have something you ever run a Kickstarter? Do not be
1: stressed <laughs> about that." Cool.
0: Yeah, and so, so basically, Kristen and I were like, "We're going to do this without any stress." So, what we ended up doing with Color My Quest, the role playing game, yeah, the the
1: first version, the first the version,
0: version, yep. It was a total. It was a total experiment, like like a um, market test. Like we didn't know if anybody was going to be into the idea. We loved the idea. Our kids mm-hmm. loved the idea, um, and we didn't see it out there. And it was a, a, a coloring book approach to to a role playing game for kids ages four and up. So mm-hmm. really making it a, a approachable and affordable, mm-hmm. and print on demand. So the Kickstarter was going to be less stressful because we weren't dealing with manufacturing, um, and the art being coloring line art was was you know we didn't have to wait for a lot of you know full color mm-hmm. full page illustrations and everything right
1: right so Which really we, we certainly dis- saves money on the art side right yeah
0: yeah And we what we did we, we developed sort of a, a concept that was how can we test the market see who's into this
1: mm-hmm. and
0: fulfill it quickly and um and, and and all of that together with no stress and it and it uh, I kid you not, it worked. Like we we had sure no did. stress. the The game was pretty well received. The Kickstarter mm-hmm. did well for digital only,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and we had such a good response from that that we ended up um, finding a, a, our own method after the Kickstarter to uh, to produce the books. So mm-hmm. we didn't have yeah. a plan of doing physical books up front. That's why we never offered them. Um, but once we saw that people did actually like the idea, we we did you know find our our path to do that. We published seven books in one month and that just that, <laughs> know. that's not and, even uh, one a
1: day tim come on i know, I know. We'll, that's we'll get not even technically we'll, one every two days we'll get better so and, yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, don't make me do math uh- <laughs> i know i was trying to do the math and i was like oh no i give up i was gonna make like a statement about that's not even this and then i was like no i might be wrong right i'm gonna do it <laughs> Exactly. So,
0: anyway, we uh, c- coming back to the original question. Mm-hmm. We did w- with this new Kickstarter. We were, were we're again exploring ways not only to create an, a a really high quality end product that we're proud of and that we think people are really going to like, mm-hmm. but we did it with with the idea in mind of how do we how do we keep the Kickstarter uh, attainable. How do we, how do we make those, not only the, the funding goal, but like the entire project goal, like how do we make sure that that's successful and redefining what success means that incorporates less stress, less chaos, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, and although this Kickstarter does have some elements to it that uh, do cause there to be a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, things to think about, like stretch goal writers, mm-hmm. um, which we could talk about in a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and physical products uh, that we're doing, we did make a couple decisions again to kind of keep that philosophy in mind of of let's let's not stress, let's make sure we can mm-hmm. do this. We're not going to be hit by a lot of these uh, you know industry affecting things like that going on with shipping in the world and everything. Right, that,
1: right, that, right. That, Which you know. is amazing. So speaking of that, um, let's pause for a second on the uh, the Kickstarter going right now. We'll have plenty of time for that. Mm -hmm. I want to explore the idea of, you know, you mentioned you found a way to print and produce these and you mentioned you don't have to deal with shipping and stuff like, you know, across the sea. Um, So that I think is the next thing I'd love to dive into, because I think this is this was really eye opening for me and really exciting. Uh, I have a feeling other people would benefit from this as well. So, yeah. So could you tell me how you, you know, what you stumbled on with the ways to get this printed and kind of how you're going about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, a,
0: a lot of people in the TTRPG space um, have found ways to do things like zine quest and printing zines in small, mm-hmm. smaller publications. So there's the you know there's there's ways that people have found to print onshore, so domestic print, not not having to deal with you know international and and you know long freight times, everything, and you know extra right, money. Right. <laughs> um, so the people have solved this problem, but it is expensive. It's it's a lot. Right. The, the margins are are not so great. Um, and we, um, when, so, so I guess I could take a step back and you can, you can edit all of this out if, if, if it's completely off oh, no, topic. Oh no, it's all staying it's, in. Here's, here's the, the, the sort of like journey I took to read, to get to this point. And I, I say that because, uh, and it actually relates to color my quest because, uh, because bef- before Color My Quest and I had a medical situation happen, those mm-hmm. types of medical situations make you think. <laughs> so I got to this whole bucket list thing, checking things off my personal bucket mm-hmm. list. And one mm-hmm. of them was to write a children's book. I always wanted to do that. And I didn't want to wait six months to a year to get picked up by an agent. I didn't want to wait to maybe get published and all this stuff and just sit on a manuscript and all that. So right, right. I, I, did, I just delved into, I, I peeked my head out of the role-playing space and looked around and saw what else is going on and saw the the self-publishing and kidlet space. Not not only kidlet, every type of, of self-publishing in the literature space. And mm-hmm. there it, there's so many more people out there doing that than in the TTRPG space. So lots of, lots oh, of yeah. content out there. It's so huge. Many. It's huge. And I just never really paid much attention because it wasn't my little sphere that I lived in. So once I kind of opened myself up to like beyond, you know, what other industries are doing things... To solve these problems and have been for 10 12 years um, that's what got me to this point so i found print on demand services um, and things like ingram spark kdp um, that that are are designed for this they're they're designed mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. to to do your own self publishing right, and right. Right. they're, in, you know, in, in a, they're, they're affordable and they're also, although there's a learning curve to it and there's, there's like also just like every other industry, there's lots of pitfalls. Like you could, you could, you know, step kind of wrong in the space or you could, you could, you know, find a series of videos that seem like they're going to help you, but they're really like scams. You know? Right. They're like, Hey, yeah. this is how
1: you do this. And then I own part of your stuff. And yeah. yeah. You
0: or know. you could make, you could make, you know,
1: hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this just, you know, buy my course and, you know, right. that type right. of stuff. right. I could make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this, but instead I'm selling you a course that teaches you how to do it and also dilutes my ability to do it. Right. That is, (laughs) that to me is the biggest red flag As an aside. I see that a lot with the coaching stuff where on LinkedIn, people are constantly like, join my class uh, and I'll teach you how to get better clients. So I joined one, one time because I was tired of getting spammed and sure enough, it is just a salesy. Let's send out 8,000 emails a month and get 10 clients who are willing to pay a good fee. Uh, and then suddenly you're making good money, and I thought, but if you're making that much money with this, why are you trying to sell me a way to make it myself, right? Yeah, um, because you're yeah. So anyways, yeah, people um, who are
0: who are millionaires don't need to be putting out YouTube videos to to help you become a
1: right you know, millionaire, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> so so anyways, yeah. sorry, but yeah, so I just absolutely if that sounds too good to be true, folks, it probably is. So yeah, but beware. I will say that. That I, I
0: tested this out prior to Color My Quest, doing physical, you know, physical printing and stuff um, with my own children's book, and was able to do the children's book and then several uh, related books like activity books, coloring books, mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, proof of concept, right? <laughs> it worked. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, I, I was able to to
1: do the thing I needed to do for me. Which just as that was a fantastic way to do that first. Rather than being like talking about no stress, right? You're like, I'm just gonna try this with a Kickstarter. Dumb. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a wonderful way to like fall flat on your face.
1: <laughs> but I feel like you um, tried it so we don't have to. Now we know this process works. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And and like the 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 cool thing about it is that you know, it's 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 not you don't have to dump a bunch of money into it and invest a lot into it. So you could actually kind of experiment a little bit. We're big on experimenting at Dice Up Games. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Um, so yeah, so that 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 is the the, the method we found. So we were able to um, we're able to offer all of our th- all of our games and books and activities digitally through our website, mm-hmm. and then we're able to leverage a print-on-demand service to print them uh, in any batches we want. And mm-hmm. um, you know we've been we've we've done a pilot run at a at a, um, a local game store to you know see how Color of My Quest does in the store. Um, It was great. They did a reorder like within a a week or two. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was fantastic. So we're, we're go, we're, again, we're slowly doing these things because we want to make sure that it's with, you know, everything stays stress-free and within our control. Right. Um, But that's, yeah, that's, that's the method we found. Um, And we're using that same method with the dungeon run adventures.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. And so, so you're specifically using the KDP Uh, both. Oh, uh the, the reason right. that
0: we use both is because um they're they're published with our own ISBN numbers uh, okay. and which means they could they they could be technically sold in uh you know Barnes and Noble or or Target or whatever you know any place mm-hmm. that that, right, would, right. that would you know could, could want to carry them because you need your own actual ISBN for that not like a free one right, that you right, got right. from some print service um <clears throat> and we uh use Ingram Spark so KDP in conjunction with Ingram Spark, because mm-hmm. Ingram Spark is the biggest this, uh, print-on-demand service that that feeds into Barnes and Noble. So, like, basically, you could go to Barnes and Noble and type in um, the title of my children's book, and you'll it, it's it's there. You could buy it through Barnes and Noble.
1: I see. <clears throat> okay. Okay. And then the other gets it to Amazon.
0: And the other gets it to Amazon, right. and um, and then KDP is also where you would want to do your publisher copies so that you can take them to cons or or hmm mm-hmm.
1: Right, right, right. Thank you for clarifying that.
0: I think that would be a cool, a cool, uh, uh its own topic, like, uh, <laughs> to yeah, talk about that whole thing. Cause it's, it's a really cool process, but it's one of those things that like, again, if you're, if you're not careful, you could get yourself into a little bit of a bind. Or, right,
1: you know, right. Yeah. I mean, there are, there is so much with that. I mean, so much. And, and like you said, it's not as cheap as it would be. If you were doing it overseas and printing a a million copies, Um, but it doesn't have to be right because you can charge a decent price and everybody wins. And I think that is a really, really positive thing. Um, And like you said, the stress fee ability to know that you're going to be able to fulfill your orders in a reasonable time Um, for the physical orders. Do they do all the shipping direct for you? Or will you get it all sent to you and then you'll package it up yourself? We're going to package
0: these ones because we want to uh, do it a specific way. That makes um, sense. Yep. Yeah. But uh, and I and and you could you could you work with a drop shipping type you know like something like that or where right, you right. have them all sent to them and then have them do it. But um, again, but I I'm coming from like software company in the background. Like how right, many right, points right. of failure? How many human points of failure could you can you eliminate by just you know doing it a different way? Right, and then right.
1: Yeah. And plus, you know, I mean, I've helped friends uh, ship out Kickstarter pledges and stuff. And honestly, like, it's a thing that you can do hanging out while watching TV and other things, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. That's and there's another... a lot you can do while you're doing that. That makes it not awful. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely, and and also if you have to do things like reships because something goes wrong, like you could you do, just it have the ability to do it today. You don't yourself. have to yeah. wait and send an email, right. and then oh they're not open on the weekends, etc. Uh, right, right, yeah. You that, respond, that's another thing to taken care of. I yeah, like that's that. another part of the ex- experimentation and the reason we wanted to do the dungeon run adventures Kickstarter this particular way is because we we are actually building or baking that into our Kickstarter for us. Like we part of this Kickstarter's success is us refining a fulfillment process we get to see like what our limit is so that we know in the future like hey if we're gonna run this size or this scope of a project Mm -hmm. this is what we can fulfill ourselves before we have to leverage a partner right Um, right and and i think that's that's something that i i really hope a lot of other people do like or feel like they can do like you don't have to feel like a kickstarter is like the big thing that you do for the year you don't do anything else and it's it's all focused right right it's design. Isn't it designed like to be like that a little bit or originally it was, or you could go to like play with it. I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and, and you also have the limiting factor too, to remember that with, with a smaller company or a newer company on Kickstarter, your company's done and fulfilled a few things. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're a brand new company and you're like, I'm going to run five Kickstarters this year. Right. And I have I have the ability to do that because I have everything ready on my end. Right. You do the first Kickstarter, you order it from China and then you wait and five months later, if you're lucky and that gets back like a quick turnaround say right now you can do your next Kickstarter because Kickstarter can actually tell you no mm-hmm. if you're a new publisher without a um without you know a proven track record of being able to to fulfill things right mm-hmm. obviously this being a follow up to your previous one super huge boon for you to be able to look look we did the last one no problem right um and you know, so being able to fill that fulfill that onshore uh, and or digitally is a huge win for that um, because it does allow you to do four Kickstarters in a year if that's what you wanted to do because it doesn't have to be this huge thing that takes all year. And, and as another point of reference, if a company, a larger company who's done a lot of Kickstarters, finds themselves at a point where now they have not fulfilled, say, the last three or four, Kickstarter can also still come in and say, Mm-mm, you're not mm-hmm. doing another one until you fulfill this. Um, which I think is good that Kickstarter has the ability to do that, right? Yeah. They're basically trying to, you know, not let scams go on their platform. But the thing is, I mean, consistently, a ton, a ton of uh, Kickstarters are fulfilled late, right? It, it mm-hmm. just happens, especially right now with everything being crazy. And and it happens and I don't even worry about it anymore. <laughs> like, I know some people are like, oh, where's my Kickstarter? And I'm always like, oh... By the time I get it, I forgot about it and I'm like, what a nice surprise to get an mail today. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or no, I'll we, get
1: the email like, "Hey, please confirm your shipping address." And I'm like, "Sweet. <laughs> this is epic."
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And we, you know, we 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 felt that with the Dorblins because I I was really hoping being our first one that we could really meet that deadline that that kind of, you know, we mm-hmm. we we thought, "What's our aggressive deadline? Let's go a month after that and say that's right. our deadline." Um right. and do everything to get in line, but there's just stuff that we, you know, right. even right. with having a partner who's done this before, right? Like, there's just things going on in the world that are different now. And so we we felt bad. Our backers are incredibly supportive. And we did the, mm-hmm. the right the right thing that at least the thing that we saw other people do right, we tried to do, which is show everybody the pictures of them being done. Like the yes, yeah. you know, the manufacturing photos, the yeah, the yeah. you know, the 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 cool art and photos of the of all the things together and be like
1: right right you're showing you're saying listen hey these these are running behind we're we're sorry we we can't make them go faster than they can right Right. i mean there's logistical hoops you have to jump through and i mean i've seen people who have checked every box and done everything right and then they get their you know they get their um first game back like their you know their their proto you know or the um preview the print there's a name for that Proof copy, the proof, proof copy. They yeah. get the proof copy back, and there's like three or four things that printed completely not how they wanted him to, and now they have to go back to the drawing board. Or there, you know, you get a piece and you're like, oh, this looks like garbage. You know, it yeah. wasn't supposed to look like this, and now the comp- now you're behind because the company couldn't deliver what they thought they could, right. which may or may not be their fault, but it doesn't matter. It means that everything's delayed, and and yeah, I mean, no, that... we,
0: we had that with Adorables. It, it was it had to go back for a second round because. Of things um, that we thought were more important to take more time to mm-hmm. get it right mm-hmm. than to send a, a whole bunch of of backers uh, a product that isn't exactly what we wanted. The main main reasons for us personally, I'm sure everybody has this, but their reasons. We are specifically making games to play with kids and that mm-hmm. are easy and approachable for parents mm-hmm. and yeah. teachers. And yeah, we don't want to give them something like if if the whole premise of Adorablens is the entire thing fits in the tin. Mm-hmm. And, and all the components, you know, work a certain way, but all of a sudden that tin doesn't have a hinge and the top could just pop off. Right. I mean, that, that, what have we done? We've now created a problem for you. Right. Not, right. not, a, we don't, we don't want you to have to go buy a new tin to put your tin in because. Right. Right. <laughs> and that is a, so, yeah.
1: And that's a really good point because I mean, I, I've seen publishers do it both ways where they send it back and say, no, we want this to be right. And I've seen others say, well, you know, uh, this is what we've got. This is the real, you know. This is realistically what we have to do. We're gonna, we're gonna do it, and and that's a super tough call that I think is really hard for publishers to make, because if you divide up your your group of Kickstarter backers, right, you will have people voting on both sides. If yeah. you said let's put it to yeah. a vote, it's probably going to be close unless it's obvious, right? Right. Like if it's like, hey, we did a game with minis, and half the minis look awful because there was a problem with the process pretty much everyone's gonna say fix right. it right um but like if it's something like this i'm sure there were people that would say oh i don't need a hinge i'll use a i'll use like a rubber band or something or i'll yeah. get a different tin or a box you know um but that's not what you promised so you're trying to do it the way that you, you know that you said you wouldn't i think that's fantastic and uh, yeah you
0: kind of gotta to stick to the the principle or the philosophy of what you're product was right like right like like if if the if the product like if that if that core mission of whatever that product was is going to be altered by that decision then you should yeah Mm -hmm. think think about it think about it and make the right decision
1: i I also want to throw out there that when i started talking about kickstarter delays i had actually forgotten i wasn't thinking about (laughs) adorable i just brought it up because i think it's you know it's a huge selling point to how you're doing this stuff and and when i think about doing short-run kickstarters for myself where it's, you know, little games or, you know, I'm really interested in the idea of doing a journal game or two this year Mm -hmm. via Kickstarter. And I wanted to last year and I I didn't. And this year I'm pushing really hard to do that. Um, you know, that is really exciting to me because it's, it's doable, right. That way Mm -hmm. it's doable to do, you know, one, you know, I could, I could wait six months and then within, you know, three months, launch two of them and have fulfilled it likely, uh, and that makes me feel a lot better and a lot less rushed and it makes it not this whole year is going to be spent doing this one thing, you know, like you said. Yeah. So, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about that for myself as well. And, uh, yeah, so no, that's great. I'm excited. You've taught this. us a lot and it is appreciated. <laughs>
0: yeah, happy to.
1: So, okay, well, let's, um, let's spend some time talking about, um, about actually, uh, Dungeon Run Adventures. I almost said Color Run Adventures. Color Um,
0: Run Adventures. Just making a couple notes here. The next version
1: coming. Color Run Adventures
0: coming in February. (laughs) It's January, Um, but right now, whoever's listening to this, I would believe you. Like,
1: otherwise, that joke wouldn't land. You literally, you literally, one day when you first went to do Color My Quest you were like, ah, oh, we're thinking about doing this surprise Kickstarter thing. And I don't know. And when you first told me, I'll be honest, I didn't tell you at the time, but I was like, oh, what are you guys doing? What are y'all doing? This sounds scary. <laughs> and then you were like, here's what we have. And you showed me everything. And I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, this is so much stuff. Like, you didn't just come up with this. Like, this is amazing. And that was for the original. And this has more content than that. But I was yeah. like... In fact, what you saw,
0: what you saw originally was... Uh, closer in concept to what we're doing with Dungeon Run Adventures, right? right. Because you saw it, the we made we, the everything that we came up with in and through it was partially a bout of insomnia, um, and and then partially just a sprint of work, um, to prove the concept. But uh, mm-hmm. we originally it, it was going to be more of a kid, uh, not really a role playing game. It was going to be a role playing game and a uh, right. like a roll and move kind of a, a, a mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. dungeon crawl but um right so anyway we 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 released them in reverse order because we figured to keep it low stress why don't we stick with our wheelhouse we we make role playing games and so right. Right. um we didn't want to go through like you know the rounds and rounds of testing that it would take to prove out a a, a more board gamey type
1: type mm-hmm. thing but anyway back yep.
0: to
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure and um so so yeah, now you've come up with this uh, much bigger thing. Um, <laughs> got so, away from me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like when one of the things that, that was amazing to me is so when this is on Kickstarter now, color, my quest engine run adventures was looking through. I was like, there is so much content that you put in here. Um, like, like head spinning amount of content in a positive way where you've just got a lot, a lot of stuff. So, talk about that talk about how it got away from you and you made a lot of st- well first you know first let's um give a nice overview of of exactly what it is so that um sure. we can uh make sure everybody understands yeah so in- anybody not familiar
0: color my quest the role-playing game uh is a uh what we call a, a-, a color and cut fantasy role-playing game for for families and and kids ages four and up uh, it uses a, it, you know, has a a core mechanic that's really easy and approachable. It's it's uh, inspired by, powered by the Apocalypse games, the PBTA. Not not so much the playbooks and all, and a lot of the the bonds and the you know, because PBTA has evolved a lot and is is very big and, and wonderful. Um, but we wanted to distill it down and use the action resolution, but then really focus on stripping away. Everything that a kid that would prevent a kid from really accessing this game. So when you sit a kid down that's ages four to ten, you're going to have a wide variety of attention spans. Mm-hmm. And uh, following the kind of age-old board game design principles, strip out everything that's not necessary. <laughs> Remove elements that are that aren't necessary right, from your right. game. We did that, and uh, we've been running a variation of this system, very close to it, actually. With our son since he was uh, four, three, three, or three and four years old, um, and we didn't do it thinking we were going to ever publish it. By the way, um, but we we um, we developed it for that reason. Our son's nine now and runs this game for his four-year-old sister um, <laughs> without an issue. And the game, yes. the Color My Quest, incorporates. It's sort of like they they're meant to look like coloring books. They have a very adorable, but like kind of cool adorable uh, jrpg inspired uh, line art characters that you can cut out and color character sheets are very simple and uh, one half sheet per character and have elements to it that are like your resources like hero points and abilities that you can cut and fold back rather than having a bunch of loose bits of components all over the place right Um, so we really put a lot of thought and effort into how, how to create a game that is accessible, uh, approachable for kids, but also like parents would really buy into it. Like it's got to help something, right. Cause like parents, when it comes to parents, you're, you're not just asking them to invest their money. You're, you're asking them to invest their time in learning that, their time right. in teaching it right. and their time marketing it to their kids to get it back to the table. All of those right. things are things that yeah. we do as parents, where are teachers, right. therapists, right. whomever's running running games with kids. Right. It's I mean not it's not just the money.
1: Yeah, it's not I bought you a toy, go play with it. It's no. I bought you a toy and now it's an experience we're gonna have together.
0: Yeah. So that was the premise behind Color My Quest. It was it was well received, and we see we, we've seen kids really enjoying it. We have a core role-playing game. Each book is 92 pages. Each book is like eight and a half by eleven, you know, standard mm-hmm. coloring book size. Yeah. Really heavy, nice gloss cover in in full color. And then the interior is all black and white and meant to be used. It's not meant to be like, you know, preserved like some of our, you know, uh tomes, these fancy adult role-playing you know (laughs) grown-up role-playing books Mm -hmm, that are just mm -hmm. really full of big big art and everything that you you keep little kids and their sticky hands away from this is meant to be used it's meant to be used because we have free printables on our website that you could reprint if they want to play it and it's worth Mm -hmm. it because if they want to play it that means they're taking more time to do something like this and it's worth reprinting if you need to um absolutely in our opinion i don't want to tell you what what to do but (laughs) i agree uh, yeah jason agrees so it's definitely right um anyway that's the and the, the the core game is is the main book the uh six other books that are public, that and that book is available and published um mm-hmm. the six books that are also available and published three of them are adventures so each one has its own pre-written adventure um that are e- they're easy to to kind of take a kid okay. through half the book is the adventure and and cutouts for characters and maps and locations mm-hmm. and baddies and all that stuff um, and half of the book is like coloring pages with the characters inspired by, with right, backgrounds right. inspired by that that setting. And the whole purpose there is each adventure book is both activity book and adventure. So right, it gives you right. more to do. So it, right, uh, right. It, our thought is a kid can play the game with you at home. You get really excited about it. Time to go to the restaurant with the family. The kid can take the book with him and color at the table with your book instead of coloring with whatever you know, menu that the the restaurant offers them to color with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Bring your Mm -hmm. own adventure to the restaurant. Um, Yeah, so that's Color My Quest. Um, Dungeon Run Adventures is our way of introducing kids to GM-less role-playing games. Mm -hmm. And it's also, at the same time, our way of allowing parents, teachers, older kids, to step away from the game as Mm -hmm. the facilitator, Um, So that the kids who have been playing Color My Quest could do a dungeon run without needing a facilitator. So the parent can step away and make dinner is essentially what what we have. Right,
1: right. The the name something just occurred to me. Like, so the name Dungeon Run Adventures, it has a dual meaning. Was that intended? Like, or am I just making the dual meaning up on on the fly? So like there's dungeon run, like we're going on a dungeon run, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It's a dungeon run adventure was that the purpose of the name? Because the other thing that pops into my head is that it's a dungeon run adventure as in the, the dungeon is running the adventure. It's the engine you. I, you know yeah. what?
0: I I honestly haven't thought of that. And so please edit all this out. And uh, <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd like to point out that, no, that's actually really, really interesting. And I, can't wait to tell Kristen. Right. Uh, yeah. No, because it is. It, it it's actually it's run by the dungeon and uh, and I and I love that sentence that you just created right. for it. It's, right. it's it's run by
1: the dungeon. Right. Uh, yeah. This is. Why I don't do marketing, so honestly, <laughs> uh, I just I tend to misunderstand things. So I, I just. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a happy misunderstanding. But it, it is it, it is
0: it is run by the dungeon, and it's it's the dungeon run adventures are uh, not only gm GMless, but they involve a map. So anyone who's looking at the Kickstarter will see it—a big one of the maps, big front and center—and um, uh, it uh, it uses sort of um, it, it used, I don't know if I should say this actually, Jason. <laughs> I'm stepping out of the it. podcast for a second. <laughs> so one of the design challenges for Dungeon Run Adventures um, was to make it GMless, and the way that we wanted to approach that was by using a board game. Uh, approach for the pacing of the game for the structure the bones of the game and we looked at uh, our favorite family board games like as kids and stuff like that and you end up with things like um candy land and and mm-hmm. you know uh, 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 trouble sorry and 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 shoots and ladders <laughs> or snakes and ladders and snakes and ladders is like one of the oldest games ever invented like it's it's been around forever in some way mm-hmm. shape or form oh absolutely uh, absolutely but, and, I, and because it's been around in some shape or form for that long, I don't think I'm offending anybody when I say it's probably the most boring, uh, aside from maybe Candyland, except Candyland had cards, which was a little bit interesting, and mm-hmm. standees and stuff. Uh, well, I guess Shoots and Ladders too, but, so Snakes and Ladders didn't, like, there's nothing you can do to influence your success in that game. And so really, it it's, yes. it's just a matter of seeing where you land and seeing who gets there first, or or what, there's no, there's nothing you, so, so what, it, what, what ended up happening was when we were kind of looking at other games as inspiration that can be mm-hmm. familiar enough to kids and parents to get them started or grandparents, you know, never role-played, never, you know, th- their, their thought is I'm going to play a game with a kid. It's going to be cards or it's going to be candy land, you know, mm-hmm. like, so we wanted that, but what ended up happening is with looking at shoots and ladders, I was like, God, I remember how boring this game was. And then I, then it became a design challenge. How do I make shoots and and I put color my quest aside and I was like, (laughs) what would be more interesting for, for shoots and ladder? What would make this more? And then it eventually merged together where it was like, what if, (laughs) and then Dungeon Run Adventures was born because it's, you're going through. And if you think about snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders, whatever you call it, um, when you land on a ladder or a shoot, you follow it, you do it because it says to. Well, we're right. using those as our as our triggers for a challenge. So you you move through the map, and when you land on one of those spaces, if you do, um, then it triggers a challenge that you have a prompt right. for that you read out loud. Right. You use Color My Quest rules to see how that challenge goes, and right. then you like... narrate what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And... What we found is it makes for a very, very fun experience <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and and has, um, and has a good flow to it. And some of the ways that we uh, addressed some of the other issues with, with the game that we had were, were in Color My Quest, you use two six-sided dice to resolve your outcomes. So we wanted two six-sided dice instead of just roll one die and move. Mm-hmm. So you'll roll two and choose the one you want. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which, which just that one simple variation, which was actually inspired by one of our, uh, our son's play tests, he pointed it out. Um, uh, give Connor all the credit there. Um, uh, was that in, in doing that, you can say, oh, six would have gotten me farther, but four lets me land on a challenge. Right. Right. It, it increases the amount of opportunity you have to interact with the challenges in the game, which mm-hmm. are which are the fun part you get to dis- and, and allowing kids to describe what it looks like when they see the pictures, like the one of the maps that's on the cover is a uh, sort of a, a jungle cave. So you're inside a cave. It's a jungly interior. And one of the opportunities, as we call them, it's obstacles and opportunities. One of the opportunities is this log that fell. In the in between two paths, and it looks like it's leading up to the one above it. So mm-hmm. if you land on that space, you get to read it out loud, and it'll say something like "Oh no," uh, or it'll say something like "Oh cool, there's a, a tree here. Um, maybe I can get up it if I'm careful, but it looks kind of slippery." Uh, and then the the you know the player will roll the dice. They'll use their color my quest character, their skill. They'll they'll follow the the those rules, which are pretty simple. Um, and then based on the outcome, they describe what it looks like. If they mm-hmm. succeed. Then they make it up, and they, my, you know, my son will say something like, "I parkour my way up there, hitting one than <laughs> the other. I get some of the slippery stuff on my shoe, so I make a cool slide when I get to the spot above." Right, and Already, right, right. already, we've made shoots and ladders more interesting. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Doesn't um, take much.
0: Yeah, and then and then, or or, you know, if they fail, if which we say you get stuck, um, mm-hmm. and you, you know, oh, you get stuck. It didn't work the way you wanted. Uh, you earn a hero point because you always learn a lesson, right? Um, we don't tell the kids that they hate lessons but the the you know you get a hero point which is a resource for the game and you follow the rules which will say something like um oh no it was too slippery you know something like that and you have to describe what it looked like when you fell backwards and then you go back one space or two spaces something Mm -hmm. like that right right so that's like in a nutshell the the core of what dungeon run adventures are there's also baddies so the little character little standees for the the monsters in our in the color of my quest game will provide those in standee form that you can cut out and fold into little tents. Uh, mm-hmm. and you you'll place four of them or three of them in a treasure chest on the map too. Uh, when you get to those, you have to stop and face that as a challenge. And if you yep, get stuck, yep. they they bump you back a, a number of spaces. If you mm-hmm. overcome it, you take it off the board and and you you know that now that obstacle's gone. Um, right, uh, right. and if you the the that that's there from a design perspective for a pacing method if somebody gets really far ahead everybody else they still have to stop at the baddies
1: <laughs> so right, right. It, it
0: helps out a little bit so the younger kids can catch up sometimes uh, although yep. you know maybe they rolled better than the older kids um right right or made better choices Yeah. or made better so. choice exactly they chose the right numbers on the dice to stop with these right. challenges and just make it they make their way through um right. yeah so th- and and then um If uh, we have things like if you roll double ones, you add a baddie right in front of you. So obviously you're going to have a challenge on your next turn, things like that. Um, And the, you know, could be more. Yeah. You could play the game as a co-op where everybody's trying to reach the top. And that's the end of the game because there's Mm -hmm. a helping out mechanic to the game to color my quest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you could play it in race mode and in race mode, it's just whoever gets to the top first wins. Right. Um, Right. And uh if we get to it, we may be unlocking a solo mode, which, uh, you know, I think people could figure out kind of how to do it solo, but we'll provide okay. some some more structure or bones to that. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. People like when you add solo modes. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so too. It's, it, the reason we avoided it from like the core is because we're offering it as a, it, we're saying it's a four plus game. We don't want to be like, it's four plus, and then somebody looks at it and goes like, oh, cool, hands it to their four-year-old and says, figure it out. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hope you're good at reading kid yeah yeah (laughs) have fun um but uh anyway that that's that's dungeon run adventures in a
1: nutshell um it sounds it sounds absolutely fun and great um one of the other things that i want to talk about in here that you did that i think is interesting uh partially because it involves me is you were like let's add in like four thousand guest writers and by four thousand i mean 11 um so but that's a that's a large number um yep. for this. And it's because you have so many maps, uh, mm-hmm. like that people can run adventures on that uh each of those guest writers will be writing uh the content, right, for that mm-hmm. map. You've got a map and they're then writing the adventure and basically they're writing the challenges and such, right? For yep. the map. Yep. yep. Um and so yeah, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be one of the people you asked to do that. Absolutely. And um, my stretch goal unlocked at 4,500. And I'm looking at right now, we're at 4,600. So I'm officially unlocked. Yep. Um. So I'm super stoked about that.
0: Um, timing, some, right?
1: <laughs> some amazing other people though, right? Yeah, I know, right? I, I mentioned you ahead of time. We didn't even have to like pretend that it was already unlocked because it will be unlocked by the time we <laughs> published. It literally unlocked right before we started recording. Uh, but some of the other awesome people on here, you've got Anna Maria Phelps, Austin Taylor, Jen Martin, uh, me, Steph Campbell, Michael Lowe, Amanda Call, um, David Bowers, Rich and Catherine, uh, Diana Lorraine, and finally, Doug Lewandowski, who you mentioned before, who should be the last stretch goal because he is super cool, and uh, I would give more money to get him to write something. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So so tell it, you know, obviously, you and Kristen, uh, oh the two – the two runners of dice up are both um two people who are creative and you write a lot what what was the draw for you to say you know what let's get a bunch of people to write with this right Mm -hmm. um because yeah because you you could have uh you 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 can do it but you didn't have to right? right right and i know my name is a huge draw but i mean realistically right you know for the people who, who know us, it's exciting to be like, Oh, I know that person, and they're writing one of the things, but um, but you, it's not something you had to do, so I'm curious, right. uh, what the decision was to hire a bunch of people to do that. Well, Chris, yeah, Kristen
0: and I are both also writers, um, aside from you know the, the children's book thing I mentioned earlier, we've also for longer have written for games. Uh, you know, we both have written for games like kids on bikes, teens in space, Orun. Um, Kristen's written for Jiangxi. Uh, and mm-hmm, th- mm-hmm. we're both writing for home. It, it's like we're, we, we, it's, it's in this space. A lot of times when you're creating, there's a lot of crossover collaborations with other, with, you know, with other games. And it's really great. And the, the philosophy there is like, get more voices to give more variation to players. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, if that if that was our principle in looking at our design challenge of making the game less boring, uh, the, the the board gaming elements of it less boring, uh, wouldn't that also follow through to these adventures and prompts? So, um, right, although right, I consider myself sense. an okay writer, I don't think that it, that it would have been a good idea for one person to write all of them. Um, right, right. So we are very uh, fortunate and and to have been able to meet and and have previously worked with all of these people. Um, in some capacity or another,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and some of them have been in the space for a long time. Some of them are new to the space, uh, but have been creating cool stuff. Um, and uh, one thing they all have in common is everybody on this thing is a parent. <laughs> so, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. not on not only are they all very talented, uh, yourself included, and and in both uh, either design or. Like Amanda called, like we have artists in, in here, um, we have people that do development on games, people that do writing, people that do mm-hmm. design, everything. Mm-hmm. Publishers, uh, Rich and Catherine are Hatchlings Games. They're the ones behind Inspire Isles and oh, cool. Dragon Dowser cool. and all these other amazing uh, family-friendly games that they've been mm-hmm. coming out with. Um, and, I, and I wrote for for their game too, so it's it's kind of like how it's one of the cool things about this space is there's a lot of camaraderie right. and indie. role-playing games Um, and we we felt that this this lineup right here was like a great way to sort of say because there's going to be 12 dungeon maps Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're backing at digital levels or any level that you'll get the digital stuff um, the digital ones will be individual pdfs like an individual uh, dungeon run adventure that could be printed Mm -hmm. but if you get the physical levels we're batching them sort of we're giving you book one is going to be volume one and then we have three volumes and each volume is going to have three maps with three custom adventures, or sorry, mm-hmm. four, <laughs> four, four maps. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Each Math. one is going to have four dungeon run adventures. And those are going to be uh, pages that you can cut out. So they're double size. So they're, mm-hmm. they're uh, like two pages that you put cut out and put together to make this really cool map that you can color if you want, or just play on. And then each one will be written by a different, Uh, a different author and each adventure has an introduction and challenges that are cool prompts that fit the Mm -hmm. theme. Um, And uh, uh, so that, that's how this is that's the design behind this is to have 12 different adventures that actually feel very different and have their own voices. Um, And uh, one of the things that we found with color, my quest is that people really, really, really liked that we added not only the adventures, but templates to create your own
1: adventures. Right, right. I think we, that is we put key. We
0: all that in the book. So everybody can do it. Well, we we got feedback right away from a lot of the people saying like, your adventures were cool, but I was just, I had so much fun with my kid making these, like making our own thing that we just immediately went to that. So we used a blank map grid that you provided. We used the template you provided for the locations and and the intro. Uh, we just made our own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I have a feeling that the same thing's going to happen here. Where, yes, they're going to play the first time, Right. Right. Because they're not bound by any restrictions, they can play the game using their own characters, using their own whatever. They could call it whatever they want. So you could actually, um, and I don't think I mentioned this before, um, you can use color, you could use a dungeon run as part of your Color My Quest RPG campaign. So you could be playing the RPG and be on you know a, a session where you're doing an adventure, going through a village, and then your next session or in between sessions, you could be like, hey, can we do a dungeon run? Yeah, get our characters, get the same characters from that from mm-hmm. that campaign mm-hmm. and run them through the dungeon run. So you don't have to follow the adventure prompts because you could fit it into your own scenario and say, you know, in Color My Quests into the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh That's one of our quests, which which is something that you can go across the big map, you could find the locations, do the things. But you could say that the dungeon run map that is going to be haunted house looking and themed Mm -hmm. is the actual haunted mansion. And that's the, the that's part of your your role playing. quest. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. That's cool. That's cool. And I like that idea of, you know, that you can continue with the same characters. I know that kids will be super excited about that. I mean, I would be excited about that too, being in, you know, an old school RPG -er. (laughs) or, so. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about everything you've done with this. And um, yeah, I just think this is a really cool area to explore um, with, you know, all the different pieces of how you're doing this between the fact that it's a cool RPG for kids. It involves coloring Um, you know, the idea that like you're, you're figuring out how to print it in an effective and fast way to get it out to people quicker. And there's just a lot of, I think one of the most things I'm most excited about this from a podcasting standpoint is just that there's so many things I feel like we can learn as designers, uh, and want to be publishers from how you're doing this. And I, um, I'm just stoked about that because I I know that I feel like I've learned a ton from talking to you and, you know, here and in other places, about how you're doing the process and and i just appreciate that you are um you and Kristen are both out there researching how to do these things in interesting new ways and then sharing that you know not just via hey back our kickstarter but hey we're willing to talk and explain and share that knowledge so that other people can put things out too i think that's i think that's amazing
0: yeah no we're we're, i mean we're we're absolutely happy to we're also really grateful to have platforms like like this to be able to do it we've had um you know we have people that we know in the space that we've told about it, that have you know we've worked with that are actually working towards that are working doing things in a little bit of different different way but similar right, enough right um and in those cases it's just good to have like that sort of like feeling of oh okay good i'm i'm not completely out of my mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, There's, right, there, right. okay i can do this so yeah it's it's be, you hit it exactly Because like when you're doing something and you're smaller, independent, or you're doing this part time, like this isn't mm-hmm. my full time mm-hmm. job, uh, making games and writing. Um, And so, when you have limited time and limited resources, you need to be more creative and wear lots of hats. And anything right, that right. can make those uh, those steps and those hats less stressful and fit right. Um, right, right, <laughs> it, it, right, yeah, it's worth worth looking into.
1: Well, and I I know that you know along those same lines, some of us have been talking in the in the building the game Discord about how. You know, right now everything is very backed up in the industry. Things are taking forever to get done. And and sometimes you just want something out there, right? Yeah. You know, and so, um, and I know that you know, from you and I and Kristen previous conversations we've had about working together on things and and you always saying, like, we want to figure out the stuff that we know we can get out, right? The stuff we know we can make and get out there, um, because that is, you know, that's what you want to do, right? As designers and publishers, you know, I think I think it's safe to say that dice up exists because you all want to be more impatient and just get things out there and do things than yeah. waiting around for somebody else to do it. And, uh, that's super, super fair and yeah, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel impatient in a good way now. No, no, I, I way, yeah, right? I accept it. I <laughs> yeah. accept it. Yeah. yeah. It, it,
0: it, it goes like it's, it's impa- It's completely impatient because, but, but I feel like, I feel like some things we're patient for, for the wrong reasons. Like, like, right, right. We're patient for it because we feel like that's just the way it's done, and I don't, right, I don't right. think I like that. I, I think, I think, right. I think right. um, I think if you're a lot of people in the space, I've heard this before, and you probably have heard it too. A lot of people's goals really boils down to I just really want to hold it in my hands, my finished thing that I worked mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. I made, and I'd love to see it on a shelf at a store, right, right. right. And I'd, I love, I mean, I, I don't. I, I'd love to be able to like talk to some people that have that type of mentality with their goals and be like, that's
1: attainable
0: yourself. Like that's, right. you know right. what I mean? Like right. it's actually and,
1: more attainable yourself Yeah. in a, in a reasonable time frame than it is not. Exactly. Right? Someone, someone exactly. Else.
0: But because, because you might not, you might be in that mindset of, of what is the traditional way? What is the business standard? What is the, this, what, you know, you'll, you'll miss that. And you'll be like, Oh, okay, well, What I really want is to hold it in my hands, to see it on a shelf, to be able to buy it for a birthday present for a friend. That's what I really want. And you pitch it to publishers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, uh, that could go great. It really could, but it also could take a very long time or get shelved or or not get picked up. So like really identifying what your goals are is really, really important because then you can kind of cut out a whole bunch of things that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. And still have a product that could be sold at Barnes & Noble,
1: by the way. Right, right. That is pretty epic. You know what I, I mean? I speak from experience. I've had games with publishers for over a year, more than once, that have ended up never getting published. And that's a bummer, right? Um, That said, I mean, I think some things are worth waiting for if you're working with Absolutely. a publisher. You know, I, there's two publishers right now that I'm working with where I am. I know it's going to take a while. But I'm okay with that, right? But there's other there's other games where I'm like, I don't want to wait two three years to get this out i just want to do this i want to do this myself and get it out there get it in people's hands you know for me it's i love seeing stuff on store shelves i won't lie but Mm -hmm. you know for me it's getting that holding it in my hand but then also seeing other people playing and enjoying it that's huge to me you know that's what i really want out of games is that people find it play it enjoy it um you know that's something i celebrate um yeah yeah absolutely well, hey, this is uh, this is super cool. Um, I'm I'm so excited for this Kickstarter. I hope it does really well. I'm glad it's off to a good start already. I mean, the most important thing was you unlocked my stretch goal. That was yeah. the thing I was most worried about. Well, I'm going no. back to bed now. <laughs> I mean, you are uh, you're on a roll with this. I think that you're in the right space to you know to keep moving this forward. And um, yeah, I think I think you'll unlock all those stretch goals no problem. Considering it's only day two. And um, so yeah, if if you're interested, uh, listeners, in getting out there and finding it. Uh, it's going to be out there for another 21 days. Uh, it'll end February 17th. Um, so check that out because I, I I think it's I think it's really cool what they're doing, and uh, and I think if you've got kids, especially, you're going to really enjoy it. And some of our listeners I know are already uh, backed uh, the original Color My Quest and have been really excited about it. So. Watch the um, video
0: because I put, I, I put that together myself and, and I want to know it, feedback. If anybody has anything right, they want to say.
1: I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed the video very much. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was it fun, it was fun to put together. i watching it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, thank you, Tim, for coming on and hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Always good to chat. Thank you for having me. Always yeah. a pleasure yeah and listeners if you want to get in touch with us you can of course go to building the game dot uh, com you can also email us to building the game podcast, podcast at gmail.com at our website you can find a link to that discord we might have mentioned once or twice uh if you want to find us on twitter we are at podcast BTG, at at slingerland. tim is at gm tim d and of course at dice up games and uh tim's partner uh and co-designer and co-owner of dice up games is uh at Kristen is no jedi uh and Kristen is also super awesome so should follow agreed. her too um yeah well you yeah i hope you agree <laughs> so. did you get that make sure that sound mic goes clear i <laughs> agreed you can edit that back in oh uh, so um but uh listeners we hope you come back again next week but until next time good night good night
0: building the game building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends building the game
1: Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. The end of the episode. That's
0: when it technically ends.